favorite part. From New York City, the Comedy Cellar and Rethink Production present Live from America podcast. I believe we can keep the promise of our founding. The idea that if you're willing to work hard, it nope. doesn't matter who you are or where you come from or what you it look does. like or where you love. Nope. It doesn't matter whether you're black or white mm-hmm. or Hispanic or Asian or Native American you got that wrong. or young or old. <laughs> This is live from America Ben's podcast on, with Noam Dorman and Adam Gab. No, you, you you start. Go ahead. I'll, you want me to do the whole thing? Or, yeah. No, let me start. Let me start. Your zip is open. Okay. <laughs> I don't Can know. We the, just I don't get know, that out of the way. I don't know the stick at the top. You you start, and I'll I'll introduce him. Uh, okay. Well, I know why he's doing this because he always make fun of me, saying that. <laughs> podcast oh you've been practicing <laughs> <laughs> so ep- he, he's been tricking me for 10 episodes now because i say ep- so he's like episode or podcast but i didn't fall into it today yes so you want to introduce our guest today okay well did, can we start over no sure. uh, no no i don't want to start over but you're supposed to say welcome to the uh, what's yeah. the live from america podcast the whole thing yeah all right we have with us today. Well, well done. This is, Some, this something is, is something is, is happening. I, I'm not. I'm not feeling. I'm. I'm. I'm not good at this. We have today. You, you've just done nine podcasts in a row. Okay. Now this is your third welcome one. to the Live from America podcast, where we discuss things of interest to the world, Arabs and Jews. We have today Michelle Paradis. How do you pronounce your last name? Paradis. Paradis. Oh, it's a real French name. Oh, huh? it's very. Michelle Paradis currently serves as. Oh, my phone's. Good currently serves as a senior attorney for the Department of Defense Office of the Chief Defense Counsel. Office of the Chief Defense Counsel. In that role, he is regularly appointed to represent detainees held at the U.S. Naval Station in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. He has argued numerous cases before the nation's highest courts and has contributed to scholarly publications on the subjects of international humanitarian law and terrorism. And I welcome, wow. sir. And uh, and Modi. So we. I heard. Today, <laughs> <laughs> you see, you are good. Uh, comedian, comedian Keith Robinson uh, no, 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 in the no, house. No, no. So I heard. T- this is important. Actually, I heard that today you were responsible for um, from from taking out of the the government's uh, what's uh, greedy hands the Slip, Senate slippery dis- fingers. Well, but they didn't want to give it up. Yeah, yeah the yeah. government did want did not want to give up the Senate report on torture. That's right. Which you just today, this is, we have a, we have a we're, we have breaking a scoop news. here. We have yeah. breaking news. You just today were able to get the court to That's force right. the the, the Senate, yeah, the government so, to dis, disgorge. Yeah. Ahead. So there's a seven thousand page report, it's completely top secret, detailing every terrible thing you don't want to know about the torture program. And terrible is a matter of opinion, but go ahead, go ahead. Oh, extraordinarily terrible. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. uh, thing you don't want to know about the torture program. And the Republicans, since they took control of the Senate in 2014, have been trying to get the only copies of it returned to the Senate so they basically can be destroyed. Uh, the Obama administration has largely re- refused to do that, um, but that was just in their hand. It was in their hands. There are about 12 copies of this thing in the entire world. And just today, a federal court ordered the government to turn over a copy and put it in the hands of the court so it cannot be destroyed. History will not be erased. I don't like the whole soft on Obama presentation that you just gave. Isn't, wasn't Obama perfectly uh, uh, 
enabled to release that report if he wanted to? Absolutely could have. Yeah, I'm not. Don't. So yeah, why are you putting it on the Senate and the Republicans? Well, well, the Senate, the Senate asked for it back and wanted it destroyed, and the Obama administration said, "Well, if you want us to do that, maybe we will." And what the ACLU? Yeah, but are they someone who heard your presentation would think that <laughs> that it was the, the the evil Republicans and the good Obama had he could have just released it. Obvi- obviously, it's yeah, it's no it's a unanimity of left and right Republicans and Democrats who believe that this report should be kept a secret. Um, I wouldn't necessarily I'm not say saying it should yeah, be kept yeah. a secret, no, but, no, I, but I clearly Obama thinks so too. Otherwise, would, he would release it. I wouldn't say it's unanimity across left and right. I would say it's right. unanimity. So, so it's not, leadership right. of left and it's right. It's not a secret okay. anymore. Well, it it's is. It's still top secret. So you can't so tell us anything about it? It's not that top secret. We're talking about it on the podcast. It's okay. Nobody's listening. <laughs> yeah, we got clearance <laughs> from all agencies. <laughs> Hello, Putin, Vladimir, you're listening. <laughs> he probably has a copy. So, what is uh, it about? Can you give us just a little? Sure. So, um, if you really want to know more about it, uh, there's a 500-page summary of the report that the Senate released. Uh-huh. Yeah, a summary, a 500-page summary of the report that the Senate released in December 2014, and that details everything from waterboarding, which I think most people knew about, to um, forcible sodomy, which I don't think most people did know about. Uh Um, It also explains how... Regarding forcible sodomy. (laughs) Sounds like like weekend at Modi's. How does... does, uh... Is that nice? Go ahead. Yeah, he's he's not a nice guy. No, he's not. What is for? Hold everything. What's forcible sodomy? Well, forcible sodomy. Oh, you? That's for you. (laughs) Well, there are a couple dildos behind. Those are toothpicks. (laughs) So small. So there there are a couple ways it happened. What the, the the Senate, the unclassified Senate torture report revealed, however, was one method which was to take a hose, and if someone refused to eat a meal, they would um, bend them over a table, they would take a hose, they would shove that hose up their ass, yeah. and then pump it with hummus. That's a joke. Uh, well, a joke slash torture, depending hummus? on... Hummus? Really? Hummus, yeah. And it was called, so, they called it rectal feeding in the documentation. So if they refuse to eat a meal, why don't, you, why don't they refuse to bend down? Uh, because like they e- want it because it's easier to force a man to bend over than it is to force something down his throat. Well, why wouldn't it? Why? Why do they care if they wouldn't eat? Uh, because it was. Well, I think this is the main thing people misunderstand about the torture program. Because we often talk about the torture program about techniques, right? We think about oh, they applied the waterboarding technique or the walling technique, and that to me always makes it sound like you're doing this discreet little thing to somebody, and then the rest of the stuff is just either time in jail or. You know, they're sitting in a hotel room waiting for nothing. Really what the torture program was about was reducing people, and this was actually its express objective, was to reduce people to the state of beaten dogs. There was a name for it. It's called learned helplessness, and it came out of some... Now, my wife's well aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but it came out of some research in the 60s where they showed that if you tortured a dog long enough, they would stay in their cage. And the idea was that you could do that to a person. And the way you do that to a person is not simply by waterboarding them, it's not like you waterboard them and ask them a question. It's that you, you strip them naked. You keep them naked for their entire lives, for months on end. Uh, you keep them hooded. You keep them locked in small boxes. You, you make them sleep in a coffin every day. Um, and then occasionally you'll waterboard them or just beat the shit out of them or sodomize them uh, with hummus. And it's not, a, it's, it's not a question of, oh, we, 
It's, it just sounds yeah. impossible to believe it's true. Sodomizing with hummus. Sodomizing with like, hummus. Where do they, order, where do they get the hummus? It's like, why, why, did, why couldn't they just put water? Or I mean, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think hummus was, for the same reason that it's unbelievable, it's right. Can you ima- imagine being, you know, I mean, don't, ima- don't feel sympathy for them. Just imagine yourself in that position where you're bent over a table, uh, a bunch of goons and ski masks are holding you down, and one of them shoves a hose up your ass and starts pumping you full of hummus. No, he can't believe that he haven't done business with them for a while. Uh, uh, I, I just want to know where they're buying their hummus. That's his hummus yeah, that's what I'm so, saying. Sombra, whatever sombra whatever, hummus. Hummus? whatever price kosher? they're getting, we can match it. All right, so, so. listen, this is my question about torture uh, uh, or, or waterboarding and all that stuff. And then you guys say, I want to know in your mind where the line between sadism, where, where the line between, um, you may think, misguided, but sincere effort to protect the nation ends and the sadism begins and how quickly does one who starts on one side of the line find themselves on the other side of the line um i don't think it's a line actually i think in in because certain people didn't cross that line so they they instituted this torture program and as i said it's not it wasn't just a oh let's apply the waterboard it was you know a day and night process by which to grind them down, to make them like those dogs in a kennel cage. And some people didn't go through with it, or some people went through with it, and then when they realized either it wasn't working or they just couldn't deal with it anymore because it was giving them nightmares or because it was completely, it was proving to be completely useless, if not counterproductive, um, they stopped and they protested. And that's another thing that actually comes out in the summary, not just the full report, but the summary of the report. They put some of the facts that some of the people who engaged in the torture uh, including one person who's, in, in the Senate report's description, caused detainees to tremble and fear when they saw him. He wrote a memo saying, I'm jumping off this train wreck before it, it, before it uh, burns up because this isn't working. We're torturing these people into craziness, and we're not having... Um, we don't have any results from it, and I don't like what it's doing to myself Did, as a person and, and to the people who I have to work with and make do this stuff. I just, I'm, I'm yeah, going to ask yeah. the questions that come to mind. When they say it's not working, is it not working meaning that these people have vital information that can save lives, but we're not getting it out of them? Or are we torturing people who don't have the information to begin with and they're futile? Which one Both. is it? Both. Both. But so they're, one, they're drastically different categories. They are, but but they but they're on a spectrum, though I think too. And so one case, a guy named Abdel Rahim Al Nashri. Yeah, uh, and sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I mean, I don't want to generalize, but I, he, he sounds like a perfectly harmless sort. Right, exactly. He works he, he in the kitchen. <laughs> he works downstairs in the kitchen. Yeah. When did you right. ever meet an Abdel Rahim who was dangerous? I don't know. <laughs> um, no, but so so he was someone who they thought was the mastermind of the USS Cole bombing. Um, in 2000, you, you may or may not remember. It happened before 9-11, but a U.S. ship was bombed in Yemen. Did you say I may or may not know about the U.S. coal? Sorry? Did you say I may or may not know about the U.S. coal? Your, your listeners may not. Oh, okay. it was about, in what you know, year was this? This was 2000. This right. Was, uh, right. When President Clinton was I remember. Of course we know, yeah. Um, so they had information leading them to believe that he was the mastermind of the U.S.'s coal bombing. Uh, they capture him in 2002. They start torturing him. And they realize almost immediately he's actually... Close chef. To, close to retarded. Oh, yeah, yeah. But this is the thing. What is yeah. masterminding? It was a boat, and they 
drove another boat into it. What's a mastermind in no, this? No, mastermind means someone who conceived it. Yeah. No, I know, but the there's nothing. It doesn't mean it was it was brilliant. Well, no, no, I know. I need a host who speaks English. No. This is really ridiculous. <laughs> no, I'm in, in Yemen. They have the weapons, so he didn't mastermind how to get the weapons. He have the people, so he didn't mastermind anything. What's yes, a mastermind he, in that? The idea. Oh, come he, on, he, Tim. Yeah, right. you have, you have, yeah, you have to get the plans together. You have to get the boat yeah. in the water past security. You have to convince two people to blow themselves up. Uh, that's the easy part. You're the mastermind of this podcast. That's the easy part. So let me ask you something. So, Is, so that's one well, person. Who's, yeah, that's, just to give you an example, right? So that's one person who they too tortured brutally, even after knowing that, because people in Washington couldn't believe that the intel, the intel they got about this person was wrong. When everyone, that's, that's the person who I said, that if we keep torturing this person, I'm going to resign. This is one of the leaders of the torture program saying this wow. while it's happening in early 2003. So that's one example, right? You're torturing someone who just doesn't know anything. Um, and you know he doesn't know anything, but you're being made to torture him anyway. Um, but then let's take the worst of the worst case, right? Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, mastermind of 9-11. I don't think anyone in this room is going to... What, you're saying he invented airplanes? <laughs> he... he... <laughs> He really masterminded that. No, this one um, isn't. Right? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, he got, he got 19 <laughs> This one people. he's proud of. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jesus. His posture changed like, a little prideful. He popped no, his chest. No, this, this, there was a plan in that one. But they, the Yemen, you guys not familiar with the Yemen as a country. You know, maybe you are, you know. But of course they, he is. But they not. You're not familiar with it. So when you say mastermind, it's very easy to get. Any kind of weapon in Yemen. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. So, right. Khalid Sheikh right, so Mohammed. Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, right? The person who I think anyone in this room is not going to feel... Sorry for him. Sorry for. Yeah. Right. And so they torture him. They, you know, I mean, according to the report, he was subjected to 170-odd waterboarding episodes as part of the, his, his campaign of torture to make him a dog. Um, he ultimately gives them no information they didn't have already. Uh, oh, yeah, but they gave him. But he did. He did give information. Well, right. He gave some information that was truthful. Some information was what the information they wanted to hear, and then other shit he just made up. But he did crack in some sense. He gave them. He didn't know what they had already. He gave them information. Sure, he gave them information. Uh, but they, that's but an important here, thing to, to, for yeah, me yeah. to know. He didn't. He did the torture. And I did heard work. he, he cooperated right away. He cooperated even right before away, right? they were tortured. Yeah, he was, before he was tortured, he cooperated right. right away. And the problem is that every time he gets tortured, they want more information. And right. So after a certain amount of time, you're being tortured. You want them to stop torturing you. Right. So it's not that you just tell them what you want to hear. You just make shit up. When you're out of real information. Certainly when you're out of real information, but even if you have real information. And so, an exa like, so uh, you know, reportedly, there were times when Khalid Sheikh Mohammed was being tortured, and he would just say somebody's name who he knew. Right, like a local baker in Pakistan or in Afghanistan. And it was Enzo, the baker. You know? Right. <laughs> and he'd be like, yeah, that guy's a courier. That guy is a, you know, he runs a guest house for Al-Qaeda. He's a weapons trainer. And it was just bullshit. And so we would probably, in that situation, send some guys out, maybe a drone, to deal with random Mohammed the baker, who had no business with anything, is just a name that Khalid Sheikh Mohammed knew, right? So on the one hand, you can say, okay, maybe he gave us some information that we may or may not have had, that may or may not have informed how we, broadly speaking, conducted counterterrorism operations. And maybe, I'll even give you, I, the Senate report says this didn't happen, but I'll even assume, for the sake of argument, that that may have helped us save some people's lives. It made us better 
gave us better intelligence in some way. It also gave us bad intelligence and cost lives. And because that baker who was killed by a drone for no reason, he has a family, he has sons, he has cousins who now oh, an innocent are person got killed. I mean, right, an innocent person yeah. gets yeah. killed uh, with whomever else he's with at that time, and all the people around that want nothing more than to get revenge against the United States for killing this completely innocent man for no reason. Arab lives matter. Arab lives matter. But I think Let's from a national... Let's not get extreme but, about this here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but no, no, I don't mean, I, you know, truth, I don't mean to make light. Because no, no, no. But I innocent think, people being killed is... is but know, it's not just innocent... Uh, not to be made. So but, who but would I'll, be held even, responsible for something I'll, like that? But I'll, even, but I'll even give you one more, right? It's not just innocent Pakistani lives being killed because his brother or his cousin who's going to pick up an AK-47 and go into Afghanistan and start laying IEDs and start firing at U.S. soldiers is increasing the manpower of the enemy that uh -huh. we actually have in a war. So it's not just costing Pakistan, innocent Pakistani lives. It's costing the lives of innocent Afghans who get caught up in an armed conflict that he's now a part of, his brother's now a part of, and American lives, who are the people getting, who are the people getting shot at and getting blown up by IEDs, IEDs based on faulty intelligence that was derived from torture. Okay, but you see, uh, and, and by the way, I hope that, that joke didn't come out wrong because no, 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 I, when nobody laughs at a joke, it makes it sound worse than it was. But I, uh, I, <laughs> I, I don't take lightly any innocent lives uh, no, we know being that. killed. Yeah, yeah. All lives matter. Keith? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you're kind of leading me down the garden path uh, and, I, and I have to remind myself of, you know, to, to think critically because in buried in everything you're saying to be devil's advocate is a that uh the torture does work to some extent that people that they did give information and b you're saying that the torture also provides inaccurate information but i would imagine that any interrogation could provide inaccurate information in any interrogation, the guy wants to get the hell out of there and is motivated to try to send you down the wrong path. And as a matter of fact, without being tortured, that may be all you get is sending you down the, the fake path and he may be able to keep the, the, the good stuff to himself. So the question is, is torture always a waste of time or is it just something even though it's not always a waste of time, it's just too terrible and morally abhorrent for us to do. Well, I don't think, I don't think it's an either or. I do think it's both. And so the, the one thing I'll push back on you from the garden path on yeah. is the word works. Like it's, there's this generality that we say, terror, did torture work? And well, what do we mean by that? Did we get information out of a human being um, that was true? That was true and we couldn't get by other means. That we couldn't get by other means. Maybe, but there's no evidence that that's ever happened. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that's ultimately the biggest problem. Is that there is evidence from other wars. I, I've read about in the Second World War, they tortured, I think, the French, uh, the French collaborators, and, and, they, and they got information. Right, but, but, Dershowitz I think, but, wrote but, about the, this. But, but the second premise that's I, can I prove yeah, yeah, to yeah. You, Can I prove to you, uh, what's the word, uh, uh, when you have the Latin phrase for, for you knowing something innately? Um, a priori? A priori. Can I prove a priori that torture works? No. I, what do you want I, to I do can, to me? I can and, I'm, and I'm not even kidding. I just, I know, I just want to hear Hotham try to say it. Yeah, something is... Uh, a priori. A priori. It, I know that if I had information and they tortured me, I would talk. And I know I cannot be the only one. It, it, it has, I believe that if you take 100 people, 20 will sing like a bird, 
20 will uh, will give you totally disinformation, and 20 will be able to say nothing. You can't you can't say it works or doesn't work. It's going to break down on a spectrum. A certain number of people are going to crack. A certain number of people are going to are going to start singing before you even start to waterboard them because yeah. there's. I would wait for the hummus. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I, no, but no, no, but I think, but I think there's a, a you know again a mistaken abstraction in your question, which is that everyone <clears throat> that there's a spectrum of people who crack. Everyone cracks. Everyone talks under torture. The question is, what is what they say reliable, verifiable, and useful? I mean, a certain number of people will give reliable information. But, but the problem, though, is you don't know which ones you have. Because I think because the, the ticking time bomb scenario is the one that's often sold as a way of justifying torture, including by people like Dershowitz, right? And so the idea is that there's a ticking time bomb under Times Square. On I don't New like the way you said Dershowitz, but go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> like I like Louis, it. It's like that Louis C.K. <laughs> bit, which is the... <laughs> um, no, but there's a ticking time bomb underneath Times Square. You have the guy who planted it, and you need to know where it is and when it's going to go off in order to save you know, half a million lives in Times Square. And so the, the premises of that question, which are just, com I, if they've ever happened, no one's ever come up with an example of it, is that you, know, you already know what the answer is going to be within a range. And you can immediately verify whether or not you're getting truthful information. What really ends up happening is you have pretty sketchy tips about some stuff, and you don't really know what's true, what's not true. And you didn't really know, like when we first got Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, we actually didn't really know who he was. We only got his name not through torture, but through ordinary, uh, ordinary interrogation techniques, which are built on what's, what FBI agents call rapport building. They sit down with you day after day, they basically show you that, look, you got no other options, and they, that people generally respond better to incentives than they do to disincentives, and they give up information. And that's ultimately how we got Khalid Sheikh Mohammed's name in the first We didn't even know who this guy was. And so we start torturing him and say, what plots are underway? Now, how do you verify a plot is underway? I say, like he did, uh, we're, there's a plot underway to blow up the Los Angeles Public Library. How do you verify that that's true and not just shit he's pulling out of his ass? Well, I imagine there are there are ways, but uh, right. Well, how do you, right, but how do you verify? Uh, he has some notes, some communications, uh, some emails. Why uh, are you looking uh, at me? Uh, he has a na the <laughs> name. The name emailed of, me. Some, some some details that he's aware of of the, the layout of the library that shows that they you know I don't know. Let, let me ask you something. They case the joint. Yeah. Do you do you think that maybe Guantanamo uh, Bay was done to scare other people that the torture there is not necessarily just to get information? but to also be a place so everybody can fear being part of a terrorist organizations? Um, I, did, are you asking me, was that one of the reasons why yeah, they opened it? Um, I've never heard that, yeah. but it doesn't mean it didn't cross people's minds. There wasn't at least kind of an added bonus yeah. to why they did it, right? There's something, I mean, the only reference point I certainly had at Guantanamo before any of this shit happened was uh, a few good men, right? Like having oh. breakfast, you know, 500 yards from... 50,000 Cubans. I was on Guantanamo Bay. I was yeah, on, uh, Monday I was. was uh, we did uh, a few years after 9-11, we did a Comedy Central, uh, f f like a USO show for Comedy oh, yeah, Central, yeah. and they gave us a tour around, and we saw the detainees. Were the, like, we didn't see them. But yeah, like, with the JTF kit. Right, uh, but like the whole, yeah, exactly. And it was, uh, I mean. How'd you feel I, when you were there? I, I just, I don't know. I, I, at that time, it was still fresh, you know. It was like a few years out. And how um, do I feel? I wanted them all to be killed. Yeah. I mean, what are you wasting time saving them and this and that? And uh, 
but it's already been a few years. Whatever information they had, you either got from them or they're out of the loop. So they, they don't know what's going on back home. Exactly, so yeah. Be done with it, you know? What are you wasting my tax what do you dollar? What do you mean you're done with it? Execute them? Ex yes. That, yes. That's not, in, that's not in, our, in the cars. We don't execute well, prisoners. the good thing is it's not in our cars. But it's not, yeah. It's, it's in that's Guantanamo why they have, Bay. That's why they that's have it's good about it. You don't want to so execute you, prisoners. Don't be ridiculous. Okay. Uh, so if, you guy, if you know the guy did this, then this, and that, then what are you, what are you, what are you wasting time here? Why don't you just put him on trial? Isn't that why we have trials? Like we try people all the okay, time. Try well, okay, okay. So right. you you defend no, I'm just saying, I, I, no, no. you defend the detainees, right? You, you yeah. asked me what, what I felt. Yeah, yeah, no, that was what I felt. I want to know if the, if the mood there was like patriotic or was it like, you know, you feel that people were like not happy about it. I was happy. I was hope. I was preventing a fight between Nick DiPaolo and Greg Rogel <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> I don't know what mood was there. It was. Uh, it was. Yeah. It's a surreal place. You have to understand. It's a naval base. Around it, you have the um, the Coast Guard. You have the Marines watching the border. You have the Army watching the prisoners. It's all on this little section of Cuba, which happens to be the most beautiful part of Cuba. It's like the most. Go uh, it's like there's like water skiing and, and 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 surfing and all this amazing stuff that they can do while they're there. But it's like, it's a. And then you think these. Terrorists are right there in the middle of it. Yeah. Just a thought. Are they ordering hummus from the mainland to be delivered? You just want to. <laughs> no, I want to do business. No, I'm telling you, you. If you think about it, it's, it's it's bizarre. Where are they making the hummus themselves? On I mean, you can't get it in Cuba, right? <laughs> you can't get it. Uh, everything in Guantanamo is brought in on a ship. It's, it's so like, it like some inventory. Oh, yeah, we we need more hummus. We got to order more hummus from uh, from uh, Saadi. So, so like, no, but actually, that actually gets to something that not to be a downer, but this is like. To me, the thing that's been the most disturbing is that, you know, it's one thing to have that reaction and just be like, I just want to beat the shit out of these guys. Because I was here and you know, I, mean, I was in New York on 9-11. I, I share that sentiment. Um, but there is another creepy element to it, which is how organized it all was. Like there's paperwork, there's memos. There's of, ex, there's of, of the reports. camp. Of, of Not just of like the camp and holding people, but of the torture, right? Like they had to buy hummus. Like someone had yeah. to, someone had to put in a requisition form for hummus, and that hummus came in on a plane <clears throat> that was flown by somebody because they wanted hummus for interrogation. It's so well, funny. I mean, like, so in my mind, with, like, in really my mind, they ordered chickpeas. I, I actually, yeah. I, know, I didn't think I'd say this, but I agree with you. It's, what, cre it's creepy. It's really what if, creepy. Uh, what yeah. if they allergic to hummus? I don't know if they they checked for that. Yeah. So this is yeah. my this is my uh, my feeling about torture. I, I don't think that, and, and the, tipping, the ticking time bomb scenario and all its cousins, you know, these are all, uh, any decision, or any policy, any rules that we make regarding torture has to account for that scenario, even if that scenario hasn't actually happened yet. It certainly could happen, and we, we, have to, we can't have a policy which would fail at that time. Hmm. So... My solution is that the president and only the president, only the president can order this kind of thing and that he should have to disclose that information within a reasonable time so that he's held accountable for it. Mm. Not a commander in the field, nobody in the field, only the president. Every single time has got to go across his desk. And if that were the case, and, and, and let me add, the president right now, I mean, Obama has done it, has the ability to kill innocent women and children on a whim and he does so all the time with drone strikes and whatever it is so to add to that 
this minor extra power that he can torture bad guys when he can already, if he wants to, just kill people willy-nilly is not adding much to his ability to do horrible things. I would be happy if, if only the president could do it. Which... So can I, can I respond to that in, in, like on two points? One is I think there's a big difference between saying that you know, ahead of time we create a legal regime in which it's okay to torture when, right, like the president signs off on it, um, as opposed to the actual ticking time bomb scenario. And um, the Israeli Supreme Court dealt with this uh, about 10 years ago, actually, a little more than that. Um, and the chief justice court at the time, a guy named uh, Aron Barak, who's like one of the most brilliant, preeminent Israeli jurists, addressed this, and he says, no, it can never be legal. But if it happens... You know what I mean? There will be there will be consequences, but those consequences are ultimately not judicial problems at this point, because there's a there's something wrong when you create a process, right? And it's the same thing with the hummus, really, is that when you create a process, you create paperwork, you create a chain of command, you create bureaucrats who have to make decisions, and when you create an except when you bed an exception into a rule about torture, um, or any real you know serious rule dealing with fundamental just you know human right. You, you always put in the back of someone's mind. Oh, is this the time for that exception? Whereas well, simply saying, whereas simply like in the ticking time bomb scenario, you, the exception is there, and people are going to do what they're going to do. And if the president has to issue an executive pardon, maybe that's the right thing to do under the circumstances. Well, this is what I'm worried but, about. Yeah. I, and actually, that's a fascinating solution he came up with, and I and I understand it. I think I understand it. He's saying that just by putting this out there as a scenario, we're going to bring it about uh, in a, it more often than otherwise. And that when somebody's confronted with nuclear annihilation, they're just going to go ahead and do it. And that's kind of a very, that's wisdom of a common sense wisdom of a, of a, a, a man who's lived. It's not, a, it's not legal reasoning. It's just kind of like, this is probably the best way to handle it. But as opposed to Israel and America, if some president feels that that's what needs to be done, the country's not going to fall in behind him. They're going to impeach him. They're going to try to, uh, the, the left or the right, whichever the, the opposite party is going to try to bring him up on war crimes. I don't know if America can live with that. In, this, in Israel, nobody's going to question it on either side of the, or not significantly. Everybody in Israel gets it. Here they don't. Here they're not going to accept it. Even if it really saved the United States of America, they're still going to, so I don't know if that would work here. I follow it. I, I respect it. I think it's smart in Israel. I don't know if America's the same. But isn't that just the basics of political accountability? If the president can't make a case for pardoning someone who averted— No, not pardoning the president. The president yeah. is, is going to be the one who ordered it. Well, no, but I, okay. So, I, But I think that's actually even worse. For, again, again, one for the reason is you create a lot of creepy paperwork. And you have to—as like, anyone who's worked in the government for any meaningful amount of time knows, the government runs on, on bureaucracy and paperwork. Nothing happens quickly. And so anytime you have a rule, you have— a, you have a creepy infrastructure around it. Um, but I think the second thing is that it misunderstands what that scenario, if it ever happened, would actually be like. Because if there actually is a ticking time bomb, are you going to have the time to go through all the steps it takes to get into the president's office? Probably not, right? Because when you were, and, and then when you actually get to that point, and the pre, you, know, you get that order from the president, you now have this executive order to say, okay, hold a man down, strip him naked. Start escalating the torture until he talks, if he talks at all. And I, I, I just don't actually see how that works. I understand it as sort of an imaginary hypothetical, 
But if you if you again spend any time in government, nothing happens quickly. Getting getting approved, you know, getting the approval for the hummus to ship probably took about five or six different well, look, people. Let me let me let me let me, let me five or six different if if uh, if there is a nuclear launch in Russia, uh, because which, it's not, which, let me it, say this, let me say this, because it's not it's it's very different than the the nuclear issue, which I think was what you were about to say, because that's a, that's a situation where the president is giving an order to do something based on sudden immediate intelligence that he's getting in real time because NORAD is always looking right up in the air at all of, you know, whether or not any missiles are coming into the United States. When it comes to human intelligence, it's some dude gets picked up by the, you know, the Dubai police, and they're like, oh, this guy, Mohammed Mohammed, is on a, a watch list. And so you should talk But that's to not the ticking guy. time bomb scenario. The ticking time bomb scenario is when... T- I think the ticking... Good. I think I'm not being unfair to say The ticking time bomb scenario is pretty analogous to the... There's a nuclear launch. We have 10 minutes or something terrible is going to happen. And we know that the bureaucracy, only the president can order that. And I feel like in a, in a case where we only have 10 minutes, we think that the Brooklyn Bridge is about to blow up. There ought to be a procedure to get to the president. Similarly, and if you can't get to the president, then I guess you got to take matters into your own hands. But it should you should be forced to go through the president. But, you know, as we're going back on the final points, I don't think we're disagreeing all that much in principle, which actually I'm surprised at because I, I thought— You mean you too, right? Yes. I, th- I thought that <laughs> your position— Keith have something to I say. I thought that your position would be, uh, you know, the kind of the, the, a pacifist-type position. No, that's not exactly the right word, meaning like it's always wrong. Torture is well, always I th- wrong. I, well, I think it is always wrong in the same way that murder is always wrong. And well, it's, the idea- murder is an unjustified killing. Well, well murder is an illegal killing. Well, right? I, th- I think well, there is. But in the sense that, right, you know, I mean, there's an old, there's an old saw, or not an old saw, it's actually a case. So three guys get caught on a lifeboat on a shipwreck. And uh, after 20 days at sea, they draw straws to see which one of them is going to be eaten. And they draw straws. Surprisingly, the small kid who can't fight back draws the short straw. They kill him, eat him, and survive, right? And they're ultimately charged with murder. And the question is whether or not, under the extreme situation, they were going to die out there if they didn't kill this kid and eat him. Whether under that extreme situation, should they or should they not be guilty of murder? They're guilty of murder, and they were convicted, and the courts upheld it. What the queen did was she commuted the sentence. She said, look, you, know, you, you did what was to be expected in the situation, but it's not what we, we want to expect in every situation. Because, so what it does is it preserves the idea that, look, murder is always wrong. You can't just kill people for any reason. Any reason that, you know, that that's not legally sanctioned by the law. But we're going to not be assholes about it. We're going to understand the circumstances, and we're going to look at those circumstances in a real way in the context in which they actually happened. And so, so in, when I hear the ticking time bomb scenario, I, I think of that case. Because I'm like, look, if that actually ever happened, which it hasn't, but if that ever happened, I think that's basically how it would go down. And I think you need to say it's wrong because that's not what happened when the CIA was torturing people 15 years ago. And, and then the other, uh, fair enough, and the, the other uh, thing that I always think about, and then I'll let her uh, talk too much, is that I, I always worry about the word torture because it's such, a, it's such an inexact and broad word. You know, you read about the torture in the Japanese prison camps or the torture that John McCain had, or the torture in Chinese prison camps where they would take hot oil and, down a person's gullet, you know, 
so many of what we usually think about torture is you, you just don't recover from it. I mean, this is, you, you, if you live through it, you suffer from it the rest of your life. As opposed to waterboarding, which we do to our own people to train them, and after it's done, they're fine. I mean, they may, they may have PTSD from it, but they're, and to dis, but you describe this word torture, and it almost is trying to, to make it sound like it's the same thing as what they, the Japanese did, which it's not. Well, well it is. It actually, and so, so I have a book coming out this fall. Well, we're not going to pour hot oil down any American soldier's gut to train him. We're not going to break his arms. We're not going to pull his fingers. We're not going to... Right. But saying, it's not for training. But we will try to teach him yeah. to withstand waterboarding. Right, but no, but so, so I actually, um, if I can get a plug in, I have a, sure. book, I have a book coming out on Japanese war crimes. Uh, during the Second World War. During the Second World War, yeah. J Japanese war crimes during the Second World War. Uh, it'll be out this fall. It makes a great gift. There was a um, book by some Australian guy one time. You know, that's, I want to yeah. read that book. I'm going oh. to buy it for your wife. Buy <laughs> <laughs> for your wife and your family. Well. His wife. <laughs> um, no, so, you know, the water, we, we actually prosecuted the Japanese for waterboarding. It was called the water cure. It was actually the most feared torture the Japanese used during the Second World War, because, it, you know, people sometimes talk about it as like simulated drowning. No, you're drowning, and they just keep you alive because they resuscitate you from drowning. Um, it's, it's the, it was the most feared you, and revived. You turn blue and, and pass out the way you would if you're under the pool? You do, yes. You do. Yeah, it causes something called laryngeal, so you get water into your lungs, <sighs> and then you get something called a laryngeal spasm in many cases. Not every case, but in many cases, which basically means your esophagus closes tight. And the only way to open it is by beating on your chest to force the water back out through your esophagus. Is, is so that, you literally vomit up water. Is that a waterboarding gone wrong, or is that part That's of... That's waterboarding. Right. That's just but, waterboarding. Because the purpose, because the way the water works is you pour water in and it goes up your... It has to do it, right? right? So it goes up your sinuses and then back down. Because you're upside down, it goes... Have you had it done to you? I have not, no. It's, um, it's like... Uh, Give you the like your drowning feeling, right? Yeah, basically. If you've ever, if you've ever, um, like, you're like, the, the, it's not exact as I understand it, but did you ever get water down the wrong pipe? Like when you're, yeah, you drink water, you're like, uh, 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 uh. it's that, but like times fifty. I know Modi has. <laughs> <laughs> All right, when so, we, so that's one thing, and then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. He's, he, he's horrible. So what we so, we're gonna so do? Wait, a, long and short. We used exactly the same techniques as the Japanese used. Oh, and, and but, so, but and they, some the Japanese didn't use. Uh, but, so, but, I'm, so, but I'm just curious. So that when we train our, our soldiers for waterboarding, we don't do it till they pass out. No. Well, it's typically done in a very controlled environment. It's done very lightly. So we're not we really waterboarding them, them the no, same way. No, we're not way. waterboarding them yeah, in I didn't know that. the same way. It's like an all-star game. Nothing and really and happened. Christopher Hitchens, <laughs> when Christopher Hitchens had himself waterboarded for that very Vanity Fair piece, he didn't yeah. actually even really experience what it's really no. like to be waterboarded. No, because they pour water in until you pass out. I see. All right, so I didn't what, know that. Not, not I, did you, you know that? Not you, I really didn't know that. So when uh, we, that, we, that's something that people should know. I, I think did it not is. Know no, that. And, no, and that's the thing. No. Is I think a lot of the debate about it talks about techniques and talks about them in this like in much the same way. And it's not your fault. It's just I think and this is how know, it happens. This is, this is we're gonna do a Skype call now, and then when we come back after that, we uh, who are we calling? Uh, I told you the guy from Aleppo, the doctor. He's in Pennsylvania right now. From from Aleppo? Yeah. He, we're just gonna yeah when you're ready okay. and we then when we come back 
I have some questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This is not him, but I think. It's not him. Guy's got a stethoscope on his neck. Hello. Hey, how you doing, Basil? Yes. Yes, how you doing? This is uh, Hatem and Norm from Live from America podcast. How are you? Yes, good. How are you guys? Great. Hi. We also have Modi and uh, Michelle with us and then Keith Robinson. <laughs> Sorry for being late. That's okay. No problem. Uh, okay, so uh, we have a couple of questions. Can you first? Can you like educate us a little bit about this situation right there? Who's in charge right now? Uh, in charge in Syria or Aleppo? Aleppo. Well, Aleppo uh, was split between the opposition, the rebels, and the government forces up until two weeks ago when the government uh, and the allies, the militias from Iran and the Russians, invaded and actually uh, uh, completely surrendered the uh, rebels and uh, they forced them for uh, to evacuate, medical evacuation and forceful displacement to areas outside Aleppo city. So now Aleppo city is 100% controlled by the government forces and its allies. And the resistance is not ISIS, correct? No, ISIS has never been in Aleppo. It was probably three years ago. There was a small uh, fraction, but now it's uh, mostly in eastern Syria, at least maybe uh, 100 miles away from okay. Aleppo city. Okay. And I know Noam have a question about the refugees, I'm sure. So, uh, he would, <laughs> so what, what, what's your take on having refugees coming here to the United States, Syrian? Well, I would like them to stay in Syria, that's for sure. You know, I think we need uh, wow. our, our first mandate is to pro provide security and protection uh -huh. for the civilians in Syria. This is basically what we advocate for uh -huh. at the Syrian American Medical Society. But as you know, there are at least 5 million refugees outside Syria, mm -hmm. and they live in horrible conditions. In Turkey, they're not bad. There are several refugee camps. I visited them. I think the government, the Turkish government provide all services. But in Lebanon and Jordan, they, have, they are miserable. I know in Lebanon, the refugees have to rent the land to put their tent on. They really have to, to pay for rent. <laughs> so imagine that. And, and so, I mean, they, they need some opportunities. Um, and, and I think taking them, uh, taking a portion of their responsibility in the U.S. is not a bad idea. But uh, you, uh, that's, uh, uh, Doctor, uh, this yes. is Noam I, I, I want to ask you a political question, but you don't have to answer it if you, if you feel it's not um, sure. your expertise. But my question is, if, if Mitt Romney and not Barack Obama had, been, had won the, the 2012 election. Do you think we would have 400,000 dead Syrians? Um, I doubt it. <laughs> the Obama policy is really as a, a failed policy in, in Syria and the Middle East. He has just been a spectator. He created two vacuums. One was occupied by ISIS and the other one by the Russians. And both were very destructive. That's what I've been telling Hatem. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, and, and uh, how do you feel about, you know, you know uh, one thing we were talking about, like a lot of refugees, you know, uh, people are arguing that they should come to the U.S. Why they don't go to the, uh, why the Gulf countries, uh, Arabic Gulf countries, are not taking more responsibility than that? I can't answer to that. Certainly they should. I mean, they're wealthy 
and, yeah. and they should be able to accommodate more and more of the refugees, especially their similar culture and language. You know, and the people when the Syrian refugees come here, they, they uh, struggle. Yeah. You know, they're actually underprivileged because, which is a good policy by the, the immigration services, they handpick those underprivileged uh, people, you know, like women, um, uh, medically uh, disabled, or, or, or so they really, what, what the, when they arrive here, they're undereducated, they don't speak English. Mm-hmm. And, but it's, it's a poly- humanitarian policy, I agree with it, but that puts more stress on, on the resources, and especially the Syrian and Muslim communities here in the U.S., Okay, and how how you been getting help from uh, the neighbors like Israel, Egypt, uh, Jordan? How has that been going? Uh, I think uh, Israel help has been minimal. Uh, they do some good stuff, but uh, not publicly. Uh-huh. I know they treated like three thousand uh, wounded Syrians in Israel. Uh-huh. Um, not publicly. L- exactly. Uh-huh. So uh, they keep that uh, you know secret. Uh, they Turkey has been great. Um, they provided... Just pause there, because one at a time. I believe they keep it a secret, not because they're ashamed of it. They keep it a secret because they I feel know. it wouldn't go over well in the Arab world. I know, I know. Exactly, I know. because yeah. of the yeah. sensitivities yeah. of the other that, side. That, that, to me, is the sickness of the Middle East, that they would rather have their people die than let them be helped by the Jews. The Jews yeah. But supposedly uh, I... they want to... Put, make, let bygones be bygones, but they hate them that much, right? But go ahead, well, go I, ahead. It's, go ahead. it's, it's uh, not the people. I think it's the media, and the, most people are brainwashed on both sides, you know, the Israel, Israelis and the Arabs. Yeah. Uh, people take advantage of, of uh, the struggle to, uh, politically. It's the same way that ISIS take advantage of religion. And, you know, uh, Assad, father and the son, has been using uh, Israel as a scapegoat to suppress, uh, you know, freedom, and to, to control their people. So uh, they've been brainwashing people for 40 years. The same thing in Israel, you know, the extreme right, you know, try to spread fear. And, and they use that for uh, political uh, gains. Yeah. All right, perfect. So uh, last thing is like you raise more than $2 million in a week, I believe, in Facebook, right? I wish. No, it was $1.5 million in four weeks. Oh, okay. Well, that's (laughs) still not bad. That's, that's, (laughs) listen, you, you know, that, that, I think that's amazing because I I saw it when it was like, when it started $1 and then it was like, like 1.5 million. I was like, this is amazing. So, uh, yeah, no, great job. But why is it dying right now? That's the last question. Like people not listening or hearing anymore about it. It's, it's basically, it's I better? think it, it goes, uh, no, it's not better, but it's not in the news anymore when there's lots of attacks on Aleppo and, you know, lots of images and videos about people dying and civilians. There were more coverage. So people felt that they needed to do something. Yeah. And, you know, it just coincided with that. We collected a $1 million, but it's all going to go to very good cause you know we are at the syrian american medical society which i'm the vice president of we uh, deliver medical care to all syrians irrespective of their ethnic or religious background or political affiliations last year we treated 2.6 million people for free 2.2 million were inside syria so we are the most active medical relief organization on the ground and our overhead is extremely low less than five percent Wow. wow. Uh, cost per patient is less than $10, which is unheard of. It's mostly because of the tens of volunteers, physicians and nurses from the U.S. that manage and travel and do medical missions. So I think it's a great cause, and they would willing, hopefully, we'll get uh, this, you know, get to the goal. The goal is $2 million in only four days. So if you help us out, it would be great. Absolutely, yeah. 
Can you talk about, or can you let us know about the extent to which the Russians and the Syrians respect your status as medical people or respect medical people generally who are doing that kind of work, right? You're supposed That's, to be immune from attack, but... Uh, right, it's supposed to be medical neutrality, but that doesn't apply to the Russians or the Syrian regime or the Iranians. They deliberately attack or target our facilities. We, our the medical facilities in Syria have been attacked 250 times. And and, wow. and that's only sense. And and we lost more than uh, 700 people. And some of them were tortured to death in the Assad regime detention centers. Uh, one facility in Aleppo, we had three big facilities in Aleppo city. One of them was underground. It was attacked 18 times in three weeks. Finally, they destroyed it with the bunker buster bomb. Uh, so even, you know, <laughs> we, we're trying to move those to safety underground and in caves. But even that doesn't work with those high-tech uh, munition they have. I didn't notice a Security Council resolution on that. <laughs> there is a Security Council resolution, but everything is blocked by, by you know, there is, uh, you oh, know, to, the Russians to, vetoed to, it, to, yeah. Exactly, ah. to, to respect neutrality, to stop using barrel bombs, you know, which yeah, is random. Their exquisite sense of right and wrong mm -hmm. uh, couldn't, yeah. couldn't uh, manage the... Uh, uh, right, last question, is ISIS weaker right now in Syria? I think it is, and I think the only way to get rid of ISIS is to get rid of Assad. He is yeah. protecting ISIS, and you know that's what he probably started it. Most of ISIS leaders came from Assad prisons. They've been in detention for a few years. Uh, they rounded them from Iraq. You know they were using them against our army, the U.S. army, and then um, they released them when they were killing all those peaceful demonstrators. They released all those very dangerous extremists, and they led ISIS, and they've been. You know, trading uh, oil with it, so they've been, you know, financially supporting it. So we, most Syrians, believe that the only way to get rid of ISIS is to get rid of Assad, which is not going to happen. Yeah. No. Well, we we hope it's going to happen. It happened to all dictators. In the past. <laughs> eventually, 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 yeah. Eventually, uh, who eventually knows how many people will be need, left to yeah. save? We need to recover the leader of the free world. You know, which Obama really neglected. You know, the the, the free world has. No leadership right now. And do you have hope know in what, Trump? Do, do you have hope in Donald Trump? We are trying to reach him. You know, it's difficult to read him. You know, it's uh, so we're hoping that it's going to be a better policy and review of the Syrian uh, policy. For a, we know he's against Iran, but you know, it looks like he's very friendly with Putin. <laughs> yeah. So those well, are two. Go uh, ahead. What about the argument that, given the reality, given what's possible and what's not possible? It's better to uh, make friends with Putin and and uh, stop all this, even if Assad stays in power, than to just let it continue on for another four years, uh, fighting 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 something that we can't possibly win and having another three hundred thousand people die. Well, try to tell that to the people inside Syria, yeah. <laughs> left left inside. Well, Syria, what, what are Trump's outside. what are Trump's options? I'm, I don't I don't mean that Trump, skeptically. I mean, what can he do? It's very simple. It doesn't cost much. Basically, a no-fly zone, and you know, get support the moderate elements of the Free Syrian Army. It's been on the table for four or five years, and and it doesn't cost any lives. You know, it's minimal cost, yeah. and I'm sure the Gulf states will uh, happily pay for that. The Turks will happily uh, join in. It's very simple. You just have to push the Assad enough to bring them to the table. 
and they, they need to compromise. Yeah, so, I, I agree. I agree with him. I yeah. said this two years ago yeah. on, on my, that Facebook post that everybody made um, fun of. Well, uh, thank you so much for your time and stay safe. Can you give us a link or something? Anybody have uh, another question or anything? No. Um, yeah. Can you give us a link to if people want to donate money or? It's, it's a Aleppo fund. If you search it on Facebook, my name Basil B A S E L Termanini T E R M A N I N I Aleppo fund, or they can visit our website. Uh, We have in the Gulf War and in Egypt and a lot of places, this is a place where we should have the refugees because same language, same a lot of things. They don't it's need to be here. Yes. Imagine if it was a Jewish situation. You know, some you don't have to imagine. It happened in, it ha in Ethiopia. It's, it's happening uh, now, even the French. And the good old no, days. No, no. Just so everybody knows, it's, in Ethiopia, when, all the Jew when the, uh, it was a famine yeah. and the Jewish Ethiopians were getting the worst of it, Israel flew in in two different missions into, Syria, into Ethiopia under cover of night and flew out, I think, 25,000, basically the entire Ethiopian Jewish population, they flew them out of Ethiopia into Israel. But it's different because you want Israeli there. You want... Not no, actually, no, because actually the fact of their, the, their status as Jews was highly debated Still in Israel. Is, yep. the, the right wing, uh, the Orthodox, do not consider them Jewish. And actually, since then, they've had some genetic testing, which, which bolstered the case that they aren't actually mm -hmm. descendants of Jews. But rather than risk it, at a time when it couldn't be ascertained, rather than risk it, and they knew this is not this is this is black Ethiopians who have nothing in common. But you talk about twenty thousand people. Some of them had crosses. Point some is of them that had they they like tattooed on them and all that. It was a big they, big they thing. They sprung audios there. The point is that they sprung to action. Yeah. What's that? Oh, I'm sorry, Keith. Are you bored? Is that Eddie Murphy? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Eddie. <laughs> no. Uh, they sprung to action. But this is the thing about the Arab world that I don't understand. Sunnis hate Shiites, hate Wahhabis, hate Alawis. They, they, you cannot yeah. get... And, and what I think is ridiculous is that you see them, they over... I mean, they're all Muslims. They're, all, they, they, right. they're so little between them, and they fight, and they not fight just fighting, like, murdering each other. So blowing me, up, hold so, on. But somehow we expect... But all, but with Jews, they can they're, they're ready to make peace. peace they're yeah. never going to be able to if they if, if Sunnis cannot I, if Sunnis cannot stomach living side by side with Shiites, are they really going to stomach living now, side by side with Jews? How about within themselves? You know, so let's go back to our guest that we have here. I don't know why they have me here, but the of you here with the torture in the in the Israeli prisons in the Israeli when they take the terrorists in, the terrorists torture themselves. They they do you ever see the the um, there was a movie uh, Son of uh, Hamas? No. 
So he, you didn't see it. So it's the guy that was the... Uh, Not Hummus. It's a movie. Hamas. <laughs> Hamas. So he, it's the, he was talking about when they, when they take them in, they torture each other in the prison. Oh, across, uh, across sects? Uh, no, no. Why do Palace, they torture each other? To find out if they... Colluded with the Israelis? Right. I see. But if they colluded, they put, they, and the, the guy was explaining the type of torture they were doing. It was horrific. And uh, I'm, I just can't see two Jews doing that to each other. Tax evasion, okay. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> but to stick things in each other's fingernails, I mean, you know. Well, listen. I, the, 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 the problem is the only doing? just just to, just to go back to to the point when you see like Arabs are all fighting Sunni and Shia, and then and you all fighting. The, the only reason Israel survives is because Arabs hate each other more than they hate Israel. No, the only reason Israel survives is because of the U.S. Oh, you walked right into that, Modi. Yeah, oh, yeah that, that was my. <laughs> That was like I saw it. No! Oh, please, yes, 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 yes. But he, he was, he, and, and the Jews were, and the Jews were around before the U.S. No, but but here's my like, point: is like thing, you see, you thing. say Sony and Shia and Wahhabi, and they all fighting together. But you, this is how you choose to look at them. But you don't want to look at like that. There's new generation. There's older. There's people. How many people that we interview, me and Norm, and they have and open ideas about change. Listen, I told Norm's story. Like, he's, he's actually right about this. I, I'm, I'm with this you 100%. What, but here's the, here's the story. I, I, used to, I told Norm the story, and it's, it's funny because we have in Egypt the prime minister, the prime minister, you know, and he will be asked a question in Arabic and in English, the same question in the same time, and he will answer one answer in Arabic and one answer in English, different, you know, because... So now we, when you have educated people, people that really know the religion, people like really know, these are people like this guy, like they want to change. He could have said like, oh no, Israel didn't change, but he knew exactly what he was trying to say, you know, that Israeli to help, but they didn't want to help because we are, some of our generations are bad. If people know that I'm sitting with you right now, back home, maybe, maybe there are some people like, I can't believe you doing a show with a Jew, you know, it's, it's <laughs> or worse. <laughs> <laughs> You set him right up for that, huh? Uh, that was the, uh, I'm sorry, that was the alley oop and he dunked it. <laughs> can, I actually, can I actually ask you a variation on the question you asked? Is, um, so I was actually at the Gaza checkpoint two yeah. weeks ago. And they were shipping in, from the Israeli side, they were shipping in about 700 trucks worth a day of just goods, relief materials, whatever, to the Gaza, which is basically under siege and has been so for about the past 10 years. The Egyptian border was closed, yeah, completely closed, because Sisi's government hates Hamas because they're aligned with the Muslim Brotherhood. And something that just you know struck me is why, you know, how how is Egypt getting let off let off the hook? Uh, the answer for, we know the answer, and it's not going to be what he's going to say. Go but ahead. Like, you know, I mean, for what is really you know a humanitarian crisis in places like of their Hamas. own people. No, no, no. He's talking about Hamas. They're no, but Arabs. I'm, no, but I'm talking about, you know, I mean, yeah. there, there are two, yeah. million, well, well, there are two what, what, million people living in Gaza, right? They, yeah. they have power six hours a day. You know, they have no... Well, economy. we helped for yeah. years, and we still do. Who's and we? we have Who's we? Egyptians. Yeah. And we have tunnels, you know, that even when the border was closed, we will give them stuff. But what we suffered since then, we had more attacks on us, on uh, civilians, you know, Egyptian. All the terrorist attacks, all this shit happened through Hamas, you know? So Hamas is an enemy for both of us, you know what I'm saying? And yeah, actually Hamas, we- Hamas is not aiming missiles at, at Egyptian kindergartens. Wars, wars. No. No. Wars, no. they're doing wars. 
I shouldn't say no because I, I can't say that I know that you're not right, but but it, I don't, I don't, believe, just, I don't believe it's true. The, the, the church, yeah, yeah. not only kidnapped the you know the church incident, they like you know they attack people, they they, they kill, like they not they don't want peace, you know, and they don't want and they know when 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 they when they couldn't make a um, Israel in Egypt's enemies anymore, you know, they try now to attack both. Like why would you attack? Egypt for no reason after helping you all this time. So well, we, I mean, we have to survive just like you have to survive. There's an issue here, and I, I think it's what you're, you're putting your finger on it. And I, and I actually don't know if there's an easy answer to it, which is on the one hand, we expect a higher moral behavior from people who are part of our Western culture. So we expect the Jews to rise to a higher bar Ugh. when it comes, we do. When, so, <laughs> so, that, so, that, so that when we hear that, that Israel does something that we find morally uh, abhorrent, we are very judgmental of them, where we might give the, Egypt a pass. On the other hand, there's a bigotry in giving Egypt a pass. No. And it's also not fair to Israel when they, may, when when, when they perform much, much better much much better than the egyptians do on the same test when they're much more threatened how now, many Egypt attacks is not, no how, it, there is no scenario where hamas is going to lead to the down to, to the annihilation of the egyptian state but they were trying they almost close with the muslim Egypt, brotherhood Egypt is going to be there did you know that for thousands of years and yeah, everybody of course, knows it. of course but israel be. israel may not be and, and well no no <laughs> we can only hope inshallah <laughs> <laughs> well, don't tease me. <laughs> no, no. So, 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 you know. So, and I see both sides. It's true. I don't expect no, Israel. To, I, 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 I don't expect Israel to behave the way. Uh, I mean, Israel needs how to behave. How many attacks probably. against Egypt versus how many attacks against Israel from Hamas the last three years? I don't know the answer. We had much more. That's why you have to put. Listen, you have to what protect you your, Al Jazeera. You have to no. <laughs> you have to protect yourself first as a country, and then as a you know uh, Arab, and then Muslim, and all that. So he's going to explain it away. Let's see, but I, I, let me put my question again. Then is that you know, I mean, again, I went to the Gaza checkpoint, and the humanitarian relief was all coming in from the Israeli side, yeah, and not the Egyptian side. And that's, they don't believe that, in giving humanitarian relief to their enemies. They don't care. They, yes, we did. First of all, we that's, did. That's, but that's, second of all, the country's yeah, yeah. going through a rough time. We don't have anything to give. We got nothing. The, the Egyptian people are like, the dollar used to be eight pounds, uh, five pounds. Uh, now it's 24 pounds. It's not expensive humanitarian relief. Come on. Yes, it is. We don't give like, we give like good stuff. And unlike you, you give falafel. <laughs> and <laughs> no, we, give, so, we give, but anyway, I want to I wanna go back to, to some questions. Well, we, we have to wrap up. We're at an hour. And, but do you want to talk about the resolution? Because he's actually given you a good, a good segue into this current resolution, which, which is, touches on the same issue. Yeah, I just want to have go ahead. a couple of questions yeah, yeah, quickly. Yeah, far away, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Uh, before that. It's like, is there anybody that was innocent over there? And if they're innocent, do they have any rights? In Guantanamo Bay. Innocent people in Guantanamo? Yeah. Have there ever been? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my Do God. Do they get any rights? Like I heard about the English guy that uh, got out of eight years and he had nothing to do with anything. Oh yeah, there are plenty of them. So I'll give you the best example um, is there were a group of Chinese Muslims in Afghanistan. Because Afghanistan was basically where you went yeah. if you were a Muslim army in exile of some, yeah. whatever kind, right? Yeah. Syrian. I mean, Egyptian. I went just to... You yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. Uh, no, so the Chinese Uyghurs are uh, the Uyghurs are an oppressed minority in uh, in China because they're Chinese Muslims, um, and a number of them obviously fled to Pakistan. They were arrested, taken to Guantanamo, and they only just were released within the past I want to say like four years. 
Yeah. So you have a group of people who are pro-American, right? Uyghurs are pro-American, and they got wrapped up in Afghanistan, sent to Guantanamo. How'd they get out? Uh, they sent them to Albania and Bermuda. So they're actually, no, this is actually not bullshit. There are caddies on golf courses in Bermuda who are Uyghur, former Guantanamo. But what, they got out through wow. a procedure? Uh, it was, it's basically this very, you know, long song and dance political negotiation that goes on between our State Department and the governments of other countries, probably with some financing uh, for holding them. Originally, though, in, in early 2009, uh, there was a plan to bring all the Uyghurs back to Virginia. There's actually a Uyghur exile community in Virginia who were happy to take them. Again, these are people who are pro-American. Uh -huh. And uh, wind of this transfer deal... Uh, went to Jim Moran's district. Jim Moran is a congressman from the district in Virginia. He pitched a fit, and the Obama administration said, oh, okay, yeah, sorry, no, we're not going to do that. And so they left them in Guantanamo for basically another five years. And that was a pure act of political cowardice. So do they have any rights? Can they sue? No, they can't sue. There's a federal statute that basically says they can't even sue for what happened. They can't even sue for torture. Can they sue internationally, not, not in... Uh, they, yes, actually, we did. In, in one case, in the al-Nashiri case, the case I talked about a little while yeah. ago, he sued uh, in the European Court of Human Rights and uh, sued a couple countries in, in Europe and ultimately won there and was given, I think, like $100,000. It, it is really He's still corny. in Guantanamo, though. He's yeah. still in Guantanamo. It's worth contemplating just how lucky we are and how much misery and suffering is in the world. I'm talking about yourself. In, no, no, I'm being serious. In, yeah. the, in the world, I mean, oh, everywhere, yeah. people, Uyghurs, caught up as they find us. I mean, just, and they're, and they're lucky compared to what people are going through in Syria. I mean, it's just, it's Unreal. a fucking horrible world for so many people, you know? So yeah. So uh, one, uh, my last question before we, you know, I'm going to be a little selfish. I'm sorry. I'm going I'm to ask for me, too. for me and my friends, if, if one of us get arrested, I went to Guantanamo Bay. Tell me five things to do when you first get there. What's your bring right? your like, own pita bread? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you appointed as a lawyer right you, away. You beat up the biggest guy in the prison yard. Everybody knows this. <laughs> so, so basically, if I'm a cab driver and I get arrested tomorrow and they tell me like you are a terrorist and they take you to Guantanamo Bay, there's nothing you can do. There's really nothing you can do. No, nothing. Call Michelle. Eventually, what? yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Ask for a lawyer. Uh -huh. uh, eventually, you might. Do you have the right to have a lawyer? No. You don't? Yeah. No, no, that's but, what I thought. But, yeah. uh, well, yes and no. So ultimately, the Supreme Court said you do have the right to go to federal court and say you have no business detaining me. Uh -huh. And for that, you get a lawyer. That took eight years before the Supreme Court said that. By the way, and, is, it, is, yeah. is it true... Or it's it's always worth it, but I don't know if I'm getting this right on this particular issue. That the right wing of the Supreme Court is often more sympathetic to these civil libertarian civil libertarian issues, the civil liberty issues, than the left wing or the moderate wing of the court might be. No, not on Guantanamo. Not on Guantanamo. Torture, no, there's certain criminal justice stuff where that's right. So before you get de departed from here, you have rights, correct? Yes. Turn the but light. once turn the light on for him. But then. once once you get there, no, you don't have any rights. Right. And that's why Guantanamo was created. Yeah. It's, so, it's, so according to, I think it was Doug Fife, who was a deputy secretary of defense of something. Okay. I uh, said it's the legal equivalent of outer space. And obviously, torture and all that does not fall under the Geneva Convention, obviously. Well, torture is not, prohibited by the Geneva Convention. Yeah, it's but for against, against another army. No, against, against, no, against, against army of nation. No, well, no, that's no, a debated. Uh, no, there's a, uh, something called Common Article 3 of the Geneva Conventions which applies in all conflicts against all people. And it includes a number of prohibitions, including 
torture and outrages upon human dignity. Okay. Uh, that applies to everybody. We are uh, out of time. Hold on. Before we go, let's just, uh, this is uh, September 20, uh, December 28th. Oh, yes. December 28th. This is the anniversary, the death anniversary of the owner, the original founder of this uh, comedy club. Oh, really? Many. Uh, my, the anniversary no, of my, no, fa- no, my no, father's dad. death. Thank you for bringing that up. Nobody. Uh, yeah, we, we, nobody <laughs> if you if you yeah, could yeah. have met, it's like this is like a, it's like a, watching him is like watching him almost. You know, it's um, unbelievable, yeah. and it's uh, it's just nice to remember it. You know, it's yeah, uh, actually my wish my father could have lived to have seen these this kind of this kind of forum. He would he would, love, he, would have, yeah. he would never have died. He, would, he could have known he would this love was this happen. one. He would he have died in this chair. Well, no, really, congr- <laughs> you, know, you know, congratulations. The Comedy Center, you know, I, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. The Comedy Cellar is one That's of the, torture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it really is one of the great American institutions, well, right? Like but what, you know, I, what I, New I, Yorker I, is to writing or what, you know, I, I, I appreciate. I'll take it. I don't know if I wouldn't say R&B. that, but thank you. Know, you. this is to comedy. And I think, no, and I, I'm serious. The comedy is probably, comedy is the rock and roll of the current generation, right? And, you know, if you want to be culturally relevant, you be... You know, John Stewart, John Oliver, Louis C.K. Hatem. You know what? Hatem. I haven't heard anybody. I haven't. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? Like those. Those are the touchstones Hood. of our. our <laughs> Keith, he said something interesting. He said, "Comedy is the rock and roll of the current generation," and that's you know, if you think about who's selling out Madison Square Garden these days, it's yeah. the comedians. That's true. So yeah. it's actually a pretty. Um, yeah, nicely put insight. Can, can I say uh, one thing about? Uh, Congratulations. That's not Narcos. Did you guys watch the show Narcos? No. I just, did. You watch it? Yeah, I some of it. You yeah, great it? show. Great yeah, show. because I saw a part and it was and it reminded me of Manny because we were talking about it earlier. Uh-huh. Okay, this is the last thing. Uh, Manny was, you know, uh, just to let you know, like he he's like everybody love him and fear him at the same time, you know. But you would fear his disappointment. Like you don't want to um, to meet it. if you did something wrong. You don't want to go to him because he's gonna feel disappointed. You're gonna feel disappointed. So anyway, so this scene in Narcos, American couple going uh, to Cuba. And they had a cat, remember? And then, so the guy was like, you know, I have to talk to my boss about the cat. Uh, so he couldn't have a, so he told him, like, listen, my boss is having a bad day. My boss, this is no, my boss is having a bad day. Do you remember that scene? No, He's up. like, my boss is having a bad day. Yeah. How important is this cat to you? You remember? Oh, shut yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't finish the joke. <laughs> That's fine. Go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. it's done. Go ahead. I'm trying I will, to. I always, I will, I'll, I'll, come on, you're dragging Manny's name into a cat situation. What's wrong with you? I will say, and we should end on this. You know, in the Jewish religion, we we don't follow oh, the. Oh the, no, I'm listen to this. We we don't follow. No, no, as I've told him. You told him. We follow a different calendar, a much more accurate calendar by the month, the oh. lunar month, and. Uh, Manny, <laughs> Manny passed away. Ma- Manny passed away on the same day he was born. Oh, yeah. On his, on yeah. His, which is like a, it's like a, whenever you tell anybody Orthodox, they go, whoa. Because like Moses and like big, big uh, tzaddik and righteous people have died on that. And uh, it's an, an extraordinary thing. And uh, listen, look what his legacy is, uh, is done. And Noam, of course, dra- dragged this on. And, and it was amazing. <laughs> And uh, and that was great. There's really no reason to have me here today. I want to tell you. No, something. you were great. Both just, just, that great. Just to listen to him and then watch some guy in Syria with asthma problems. <laughs> this is what you needed me for. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna have you another episode where it's just strictly Egypt uh, versus Israel. You want to talk about the about the, the UN resolution? 
I want to. I want to. I was. I was good. I'm done. Yeah. No, we're done with time. People are. Finished. We'll talk. We can talk about it next. It'll still be a hot issue next week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you time to to learn about it. I know about it. I'm just you might double. All right. Do you want to <laughs> plug anything? Uh, or your He's Twitter? He's got a book about uh, yeah, Chinese sushi. Book, a book about what? yeah, book about uh, Japanese war crimes in the Pacific coming out this fall. Okay, Simon and Schuster. Money. He's a great kid. Money. You have what? anything? Yes. Twitter. Uh, Twitter. Yeah, uh, Modi uh, ModiLive.com. Go to uh, Facebook and uh, and uh, and Instagram. Did you do your comic strip uh, Jew thing on Christmas this I year? I did it at the Gotham Comedy Club. Sold out two shows. How many people is that? Uh, three, uh, six hundred and twenty. <gasps> and the, and a waiting list. You made a lot of money. Of course. Wow, Jews paid. Jews pay. He paid. literally made more money in one night than he makes in all his spots the rest of the year. Good for him. Yeah. He always did. Modi's, uh, Modi's the most working comedian here. All right. Now, who knows who's listening to this? Let's keep this quiet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody. That's wonderful. Comedy thank seller. You. Good night. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Modi. Thank you, guys. Thank you were listening to Live from America podcast. To contact us, please go to www.livefromamericapodcast.com. Brought to you by the Comedy Seller and Rethink Production. 